Welcome back to Win Championship Repeat Boston Sports Podcast. And in this one, I really don't have anything to talk about specifically, but I kind of just want to just talk about the Red Sox, some Patriots stuff, Celtics, just kind of spitball and just kind of, you know, rant a little bit, maybe talk about how things are going, talk about what I think is the, you know, timeline with the Celtics and their situation and what the Patriots will do and some Red Sox stuff. And so let's just kind of go with it and go from there. I'm going to start with the Red Sox uh, and go in that direction. So they're actually surprisingly getting better. I mean, it was first place, second place, first place, second place. Now they're in third place. The Yankees are two games ahead of the Red Sox, and the Red Sox have been doing good as of late. They were the third wild card team. Now they're the second wild card team, and they got a three and a half game lead on that. And they're a great, great baseball team for what they are, and they're exceeding a lot of expectations. And I didn't expect them to be the number one seed in the American League East. I expected them to eventually get to the wild card spot. And you have Toronto, who's had a decent season, the Red Sox, the Yankees, and Tampa Bay. They're all playing fairly well. And if you look at the, you know, everything going on with the Red Sox, they just seem to get better in their last few games, and then they'll have stints where they just lose. So they'll have stints where they win like three or four games out of a five-game series of games, and then they'll have, like, six games, and they'll lose, like, four of them. And it's kind of a back-and-forth sort of thing. You know, they played against the Twins, and they basically destroyed them in that series, winning uh, two out of three. And they were two out of three against the Rangers. And they, uh, so far, have done well against the Indians in their series. The Yankees themselves, when they played the Yankees, they got swept in all three of those, which is not a good situation because nobody really wants to get swept by uh, the Yankees, or at least I don't want to see the Red Sox get swept by their rivals. And they added some players at the deadline to, you know, help, you know, their team get a little bit better. And it's worked for the Yankees, uh, but for the Red Sox, they're still trying to track them down. No one's going to beat Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is one of the best teams in the American League. They're just six game win streak they're doing great and it's very hard for me to see them lose their stride lose their step lose anything they're just playing amazing and so now the Red Sox have to just do it with what they got um, and they have to get it done with what they're working with and kind of take their steps to beat the Yankees and get better than the Yankees um, because that's important if you look at their last game which was coming against the Indians we ended up seeing three hits for Schwarber with an RBI. He played left field. Um, we saw Martinez at DH, three RBIs, three hits. We saw Bogarts with a hit, Devers with a hit, or actually two hits. One hit for Verdugo, two for Vasquez. Um, they ended up having uh, five runs in total. And um, so that was a, uh, a good situation for them. Um, and they ended up, uh, you know, getting getting it done the right way. One run for Duran, two for Schwarber, two for J.D. Martinez. So I think Carl Schwarber is going to be a big piece as either a backup catcher or sort of a left fielder or an outfielder because they do have a bunch of players who can kind of come in and get minutes and, you know, get innings and, you know, do their thing. Nathan Uvalde... Five innings, six hits, two runs, two uh, earned runs, seven Ks, one home run, 
3.71 ERA, 10 and 8 record, 3.71 ERA, 154 Ks, and a WHIP of 1.17. So he has been surprisingly um, decent. Uh, Matt Barnes, not so much as their closer. Uh, he is someone who just, it seems like, can't can't get it done when he needs to. Adam Ottavino, who they actually got from the Yankees, is their relief pitcher who's now got 10 saves, 56 Ks, and a 3.46 ERA, which I'm not really complaining if he's their, their guy. Obviously, you know, if it comes to uh, Matt Barnes being the closer or if it comes to, you know, some of these other players um, potentially getting that closing spot, who knows. But, um, you know, I think Schwarber is going to be great. JD is obviously good. You have, you know, Devers, who's not that bad. And you have um, Xander Bogarts, who's still, you know, doing well. And I can't really complain with how things turned out and how things are turning out. And, you know, leading the team with batting average is Bogarts with a 2.298. Home runs is Devers with 30 and RBIs with, is uh, Devers with 94. Looking at the rest of sort of these team statistics in terms of other stuff, hits, Bogarts 134, leads team, oh, on base percentage, Bogarts 0.367. So that's uh, pretty good. Stolen bases, um, we have Christian Vasquez actually has the most um, for them. So that's something to kind of think about. Devers has the most uh, walks um, and the most RBIs, as I mentioned before. The most uh, triples for this team is Bobby Dalback, so that's something. The most um, doubles is Rafael Devers, followed by J.D. Martinez. The most hits, Xander Bogarts, followed by J.D., followed by Rafael Devers. And the most runs, um, J.D. and Rafael Devers are tied for that one. So, uh, yeah. That's uh, not bad. Slugging percentage, our leaders um, are right now um, Travis Shaw, Kyle Schwarber, and Raphael Devers. Shaw just joined the team, and Schwarber just joined the team as well, so I can't really say too much on them, but um, Devers, I guess, gets the title. Now, for um, I guess we can go to the pitching side of things if we want to look at where um, the pitchers are. Obviously, the wins, we have two uh, guys, 10 and 8, Uvalde, 10 and 7, Eduardo Rodriguez. In terms of saves, Matt Barnes has 24, although Adovino might be getting a little bit more um, out of that one. If we're looking at hits, uh, obviously, Uvalde has uh, the most hits. And I think when it comes to earned runs, Rodriguez... He gets that total home runs. Uh, we have Nick Pavetta, who's let up 20 home runs. And we have Nick Pavetta, who's let up the most bucks, uh, or I should say uh, walks um, in that one. Uh, Pavetta is 9-6, 4.57 ERA, 145 Ks. Um, not uh, the greatest um, showing out of him. In terms of uh, strikeouts, Uvalde 154, Rodriguez 150. And ERA, which I don't know if that really, um, really uh, makes a difference here because um, a lot of these guys don't actually play, um, and so I guess the uh, best one is Garrett Whitlock with a 1.57 ERA, 
Um, and then Chris Sale with a 2.35 ERA. We have a bunch of guys who actually have a ERA of 0, 0.00, which um, this doesn't really matter because they're all positional players, pretty much. Marwin Gonzalez, who's no longer with the team anyways, and uh, Kevin uh, Plawarski, who's a catcher, and Christian Arroyo, also. All one game apiece, so there's uh, that situation, which I'm not really, um, not really looking at that one. The uh, ERA in terms of the highest ERA, and uh, we're going to have to go with Hans Sel Robel, 7.84, because there are a few guys who have a crazy high ERA, um, but they've only played in one game, so that doesn't really count. Colton Brewer, one game, 36 for his ERA, not the best. If you want to go to someone who's actually played a decent amount, Got to go to relief pitcher Matt Andres, 26 games, 6.03 ERA. So, um, you know, that's uh, there. So the Red Sox, they're doing it, somehow getting it done. And, um, yeah, that's where they are, and that's kind of where we're, we're seeing them. Um, so uh, that's the situation. New England Patriots, the question everybody has, will Mac Jones overtake Cam Newton for that starting spot? Probably not at the moment. I think the way things are are looking, um, most likely um, he's probably going to have, or the team's probably going to have Cam Newton start for a, um, you know, for this situation. And, you know, I think eventually they will, um, you know, move in a different direction with Mac Jones eventually. But Cam Newton has shown us he's a pretty solid you know, uh, quarterback, and Mac Jones has a future in the NFL. And I think uh, a lot of credit has to go to Josh McDaniels, who has made, um, you know, made uh, some great choices and keeps his team together. And, um, you know, I think uh, you have to say congratulations to him because he's done a good job as well. The Patriots added in another trade target, so Sonny Michel is out. They're bringing in Sean Wade, who's a rookie cornerback for a couple of draft picks. A 2022 7th round pick and a 2023 5th round pick. So, um, basically the 7th round pick came from Houston from uh, the Ryan Izzo tight end trade, whenever that was. Um, So, there's that. Apparently, um, Sean Wade wasn't going to get a lot of minutes and he might have gotten released by... The Ravens. And so for the Patriots, who have Stephon Gilmore, who's kind of out for a while, they have J.C. Jackson, Jalen Mills, Jonathan Jones, and Jojuan Williams. This is a player who can come in and potentially be um, someone who actually gets, uh, you know, some solid minutes. And so for me, the interesting thing is some players will go somewhere and they'll have a great success where they won't have success other places, right? Sean Wade could be a great cornerback in New England where he wouldn't have been a great cornerback in the Ravens system. Tony Michel could have gotten minutes as the starting running back or one of the other running backs in New England, but trading him to a team that needed a running back like Los Angeles makes more sense for him, and he can actually get more minutes, or I guess I should say more snaps, um, than um, you know uh, he could have in uh, Patriots uniform. So... It's a good thing uh, when someone uh, moves, uh, especially seeing as um, they didn't really need him as much and they were going to probably consider cutting him. So if there's a team out there that needs him, then uh, yeah, go for it and make it work. So 
that is um, that is a good situation uh, for them. I gotta say, also, we give credit to Josh McDaniels for the quarterbacks. We have to give credit to Ivan Fears, who's done very well with his running back core so far in the preseason, training camp, and everything. With uh, Ramondre Stevenson, who looks like he is very, very good, fourth round pick at Oklahoma. Two touchdowns in each of his uh, preseason games. Really getting it done. I don't know if he's going to be a steal of this draft um, or if he's going to be a very good player at all, but he looks good so far. So that's about as much as I can give you. Obviously, they play the Giants in their next one, which if you know anything about preseason football, it doesn't really matter as much. And I expect most of the starters in this Giants game to probably not play at all just because why would we want to see Cam Newton play Mac Jones play. I might even see Brian Hoyer get a lot of minutes just because, or get a lot of snaps, I should say, just because at the end of the day, he's going to be someone who's not going to really stick around, but if they don't want to get Cam Newton hurt or Mac Jones hurt, I think they're going to have Brian Hoyer step in because why would they need to, you know, do anything there? I mean, their last game was a blowout, 35-0. They beat the Washington football team, 22-13. to The Giants, they should beat them pretty easily. I mean, this is the worst division in football with the Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, and Washington. I mean, they're all garbage, and they're just one worse than the other. I don't even know who'd make it out of that division. I'd probably go with Washington again, although Dallas seems to have um, a rejuvenated team, and they love all their choices, and Mike Parsons and the other rookies, but at the end of the day, they're not that good at all. But the Patriots, now they're kind of you know, fighting, I believe, with the Dolphins for the second seed in their division, which is uh, the AFC East. So don't know if they'll end up as the reigning um, AFC East champions. I think Buffalo will get that. But Tua, who knows how he's going to be. They do have some good wide receivers and running backs and offensive uh, players in Miami. So this is going to be an interesting one. I did see an article uh, talking about Sean Watson and how the short list includes Miami. So if they get Deshaun Watson, maybe that's maybe that's something. But who knows, um, you know, as well. The Patriots, you know, Mac Jones eventually will get some, uh, you know, serious minutes um, and some serious plays in the regular season once things kind of settle down and start. And I think you're going to see Cam Newton get the majority of play and then Mac Jones comes in when he's needed. And so if the Patriots don't make the playoffs again, is this going to be the end of Bill Belichick? I know people aren't talking about Bill Belichick potentially leaving and retiring or stepping down as the head coach. But if they don't have a season in which they're kind of in the mix and maybe Miami does great and Buffalo does great and there's another team out there, let's just say the Ravens or the Steelers who have a good season and Cleveland has a good season and you know you have teams making the playoffs that aren't the Patriots, it could be in everyone's best interest if Bill Belichick steps down a little bit and then he's either the general manager and Josh McDaniels takes over or you know someone else comes in I mean Josh McDaniels can be a great head coach in New England I know he has had little to no success outside of New England and a lot of the New England Patriots head coaches um, that were assistants and became head coaches other places are not great, Matt, Patricia, um, you know, Bill O'Brien, etc. But I do think Josh McDaniels with this team, with Mac Jones, could be a very good head coach for them. And if Belichick stays in as sort of the general manager, 
kind of making those decisions, then he could be a great guy kind of filling in as um, sort of a uh, mentor to Josh McDaniels slash general manager slash kind of behind the scenes. And then McDaniels can kind of do um, what he can as the head coach. And it would also be cool because they could bring in someone who is a you know quarterback-minded guy to be the offensive coordinator and work with McDaniels and Belichick and the team to kind of help Mac Jones along on his journey because they need success out of Mac Jones. And it's going to be something that could take a while, but we haven't had, as Patriots fans, any sort of doubt um, over the last 20 or so years, minus the one year without Brady. We've been good. Um, we've had a lot of success. And now is where you really got to make that sort of decision to see where you go in the future. And now is a chance for people to see the Patriots without Brady. Because if you look at last season, the Patriots weren't good. Tom Brady was great. And you could, you know, start to argue that maybe Belichick wasn't as good of a head coach as everyone thought. And maybe Tom Brady was just as great as he is, right? For LeBron James, he's the greatest NBA player in the league, and he makes everyone around him better, and you don't need a head coach who's good, right? Tyron, Tyron Liu, David Blatt, you could think of so many others, Mike Brown, Frank Vogel even. They're not great head coaches. They're average head coaches who were elevated by LeBron James, right? And for everyone out there in the NBA world, you know, they want to be on LeBron's team because he's that good and he makes them legitimate contenders from day one. Tom Brady makes anyone a contender, whatever team he's on. And so if Patriots don't have a great season, Belichick's reputation might be on the line because they might be like, oh, well, he had Brady for 20 years. Of course, he's going to be good. And so he might step down just because he doesn't want to ruin this legacy that he's built in New England. And maybe he'll just kind of be in the shadows lurking. Josh McDaniels could take over and be the next head coach. And, you know, maybe being in New England with this system, he could be a great head coach. And, you know, I think one of the reasons why he stayed and didn't go to Indianapolis is because there was some stability uh, between, you know, Robert Kraft offering him that sort of stability to stay in New England. And he got more money and Belichick kind of keyed him in on a lot of the inside information that most, you know, offensive coordinators probably wouldn't get. And so this is all stuff that I thought set him up to be the potential replacement for Belichick when his contract is up or he retires or he just leaves. And then McDaniels can kind of slide in there with all this experience and take over. And now that they have Mac Jones, it's a good sort of stepping stone because now you can hand your keys over to Mac Jones and also hand your keys over to McDaniels as the new guy to take over. And, you know, I think he would be a very, very good option. And, you know, there are a lot of people who might not like it because of the fact that he wasn't successful in his other stints outside of the Patriots. But, you know, some coaches work well in New England and some coaches work well other places. And Daniels, I think, needs that shot. And, you know, if this season doesn't go well, Belichick might just hang it up and they'll have to move on. So... I think this is an important season for Belichick to see if he sticks around. Important season for Mac Jones, Cam Newton. I mean, this is a reclamation year for Cam Newton. Cam Newton knows his future in New England is very, very slim. And this is basically him showing off for the rest of the league to say, hey, I'm still playing. And if I'm not a you know quarterback in New England next year, I'm going to be a quarterback somewhere else. And so obviously he knew the minute Mac Jones was drafted that that's the future. And he's just going to have to accept that. 
but he could get a job somewhere else because there's a whole host of teams who don't do uh, that well, and they could use a quarterback in there to kind of step up and take over and, you know, make the right moves, and that's where we, um, you know, we see things going um, for them. So Cam Newton probably won't be here more than just this most recent upcoming year, um, but uh, we'll see what happens. So let us move to the Boston Celtics. Now, I think a lot of people are underestimating how good the actual Boston Celtics can be this year. And I know that they didn't make the biggest moves, and I know their team is still kind of um, figuring their situation out. But this is going to be a big year for a bunch of different players, for Tatum, for Brown, for Robert Williams, for Marcus Smart. And I want to look at why it's going to be a big year for all of those guys. So a big year for Tatum, and the reason is he's going to have to take over as the number one guy. They have always had other players, whether it be Kyrie or Kemba, or Gordon Hayward or Al Horford or whatnot, who have come in here and have been sort of your number one option and have come in knowing they were the number one option. They got paid it. They played like it. Some cases, sometimes they just were hurt and it didn't work out. But every player from Isaiah Thomas all the way down to Kemba and everyone in between who has kind of come in here with this max contract or close to max contract or came in and been successful, they've been the number one guy. And Tatum hasn't been the number one guy. So this is the year where he will have to choose, um, you know, a lot of things that he didn't have to choose before. And he's going to have to be the number one guy and kind of step up. And he's shown us he can be an all-star. And he's shown us he could be close to, if not all-NBA team on some level. But this is his year where he has to step up. And this is his year where he has to move in that direction going forward. Where he can make these leaps and bounds and get better. And so... This is an important year for Tatum. It's an important year for Brown as well because he needs to make steps in the right direction because there is no third option anymore. There is no third superstar or close to third superstar like they had, right? They had a bunch of great players, a bunch of great all-stars. Now you have Tatum and you have Brown, and that's it. And the rest of your guys are role players. And so in Tatum's case, he's made the you know leaps and bounds uh we've been looking for and he's hopefully going to have to get better but Jalen Brown has made small strides every year but he has to prove to us now that he's the number two option that he's worth keeping around because obviously there were certain players that were at one point in time available and the Celtics could have traded Jalen Brown for Kawhi Leonard or Jimmy Butler or a bunch of these other guys who probably may or may not have stayed around but in the future with potentially Damian Lillard on the the prowl the Celtics have to look at this season, and if Jalen Brown plays great, great. If he doesn't, then they could look to move Jalen Brown, which I know a lot of Celtics fans don't want to move Jalen Brown. And I know if Damian Lillard's available, they don't want to trade Jalen Brown for Damian Lillard, even though he's a proven all-star and a Hall of Famer to be. I think, you know, Jalen Brown, this is a big season because Brad Stevens is not Danny Ainge. Brad Stevens, while he likes Jalen Brown, may not be the guy who keeps him around and keeps him off limits like Danny Ainge was. Danny Ainge might be the guy who was like, I like Jalen Brown. We're not getting rid of him for anything. Whereas Brad Stevens might be like, yeah, I like Brown just as much, but if we could get someone that helps us win a championship, I'm all for getting rid of Jalen Brown in the process. And if I also can get a third superstar and Jalen Brown gets traded and said second superstar helps us with Tatum to get a third superstar, 
maybe that's something Brad has to think about, right? Because if Jalen Brown plays good enough to be an all-star, or he plays just shy of that, and everybody expects him to be a great player and make these, uh, you know, giant leaps, and he only kind of makes minimal leaps, maybe Brad Stevens says, look, we could trade for Damian Lillard using Jalen Brown, and then we could use the fact that we have Damian Lillard and Jason Tatum to bring in Bradley Beal, and then we could convince Bradley Beal to come here uh, in a sign-and-trade, and so you don't have to give up as much, and then you add in Tatum with Bradley Beal, with Damian Lillard, with um, whoever's left over, which that could be Robert Williams or Marcus Smart or who have you, and that could be our new team. And if Jalen Brown doesn't play as good as everyone expects, Brad Stevens might not be the same as Danny Ainge and say, hey, he's off limits. He might say, if this is what needs to be done, it needs to be done. So it's a big year for him. It's a big year for Marcus Smart because he just got paid, and Marcus Smart's great defensively, but he's not great offensively, and he takes a lot of shots that he shouldn't. And if the Celtics need to move on from Marcus Smart, this is the year he's got to prove himself in order to keep him around. And yes, he's the longest-tenured Celtic. He's been here since 2014. He's had a great career in Boston. But he's not 100% off limits, and if the right deal comes, the right deal comes. And maybe Boston decides we need someone a little bit better and we might have to move on from him. And then also it's a big year for Robert Williams who just got paid as well. And he's got to step up because he's been sort of the starter as of recently. He's the one who's going to take over those starting minutes. And you have Al Horford, you have Ennis Cantor, and that's about it. Bruno Fernando could get minutes, but not many. I just don't see anyone else's starting level besides Robert Williams. And if he doesn't play well, you might have to consider moving him before it's too late. And so I think this is a big year for the Celtics because this is the first time that they don't have sort of that third piece, that third star, or at least that third all-star that they tried to make work. Because last year they had Kemba, who they brought in on a max deal. They had Al Horford back in his all-star days. They had Kyrie, Gordon Hayward, etc. Now they have just Tatum and Brown, right? And... You know, they have to really step up and make it so they're a good team. And if the Boston Celtics have a great season, they're the four seed, they make it to the second round, they win. Then Brad Stevens looks at his team and says, okay, we're good. How can we help this team get better? What is the sort of smaller moves to kind of tick us above the rest and get us to a better spot? If Marcus Smart has a breakout year because he gets a better, you know, role with this team as a starter, and Tatum and Brown both make leaps and bounds because there's no other player taking, you know, the majority of minutes and plays and ball handling and all that stuff. You know, Tatum, let's say, scores like 27 a game, or Jalen Brown scores 25 a game, and they're both all-stars, and Tatum's, you know, all-NBA second team or third team or even first team. You know, that's what really would make the Celtics great and if things go in that direction then they got to keep going with what they have and consider moving you know Josh Richardson or moving these other smaller pieces to get good role players to fit around Tatum and Brown but if they're like a seven seed or if they're like an eight seed or if they're fighting for the playoffs or they don't even make the playoffs because the Eastern Conference is just too good then I would consider going after a third star and consider maybe Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard or Carl Anthony Towns or whatever Carl Anthony Towns I don't think is available because I don't think Minnesota is going to get rid of him anytime soon. Bradley Beal is available, I'm sure, at some point if things don't go well for Washington this year. Damian Lillard's in the same boat. He has recently said he doesn't want to leave at this moment. And so maybe if their season goes very badly, then next offseason he could want to get traded. 
And the thing with Bradley Beal and the thing with Damian Lillard is I feel like they're just on the edge and they could just say, you know, screw it and just dive in and just be like, I'm getting out of here, trade me. And then all these teams out there who have interest, Golden State, Philly, you know, Miami, all the other teams out there who have interest uh, or potential interest will probably start dialing the phones and be like, what can we do to get him? So Boston will have to compete with a bunch of those teams, but they got, in Bradley Beal's case, the the edge with um, Jason Tatum. And I don't think Philly is a team that these guys want to go to because they've not proven to be good enough to make the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, the Celtics have done it before. And if, you know, you can sell... Damian Lillard on coming to Boston and be like, we can get back to the Eastern Conference Finals. And that's farther than he's gotten in Portland. And you could say the same to Bradley Beal, and that's farther than he's gotten in Washington. And so, what can Philly say? You know, Philly can say, oh, we have Joel Embiid, we have a good coach in Doc Rivers, but the Celtics can say we have a great general manager who was a great head coach in Brad Stevens. Doka is a young, up-and-coming coach and could really be a big part of the future of the Celtics. And those are big selling points, in my opinion. So that's kind of where Boston is uh, right now. Who knows what they're going to do, but this is a big season for them.